It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning and welcome back to the FlowTrack podcast. My name is Lincoln Strike, and he is Gordon Mack. From a cold day in Central Texas right now, I'm hood up as I am freezing very, very cold, but you're probably listening. You can't see that. Uh, so I'll say, Gordon, how are you doing today? Well, we're both doing well. Both of our teams won yesterday. Your team won in convincing fashion. The Chicago Bears over Houston Texans. Yeah. You officially eliminated the Texans, whereas we beat the best <laughs> team in the NFL or in, in the NFC with our backup quarterback, now our starting quarterback. Uh, so it, it's yeah. victory Monday, right? It's victory it Monday for Chicago while. and Philadelphia fans. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, <clears throat> you know, the Bears had lost six games in a row. And so it was trending to the point where they could have had a, you know, we're looking at a top 10 pick if they kept going. Of course, they stopped that yesterday. So it kind of is the at the point where you're hurting your draft, draft position. Now, you are in the NFC least where it's still possible, although the Washington football team's trying to run away with it. It's still possible they could win the division, I suppose. Um, but Jalen Hurts is reminding me of Mike Vick, you know, a couple of several years ago. He's just a huge threat on the ground. That's That's got to be exciting. Yeah. It's kind of weird, too, though, knowing that our, like, your captain, your starting quarterback is, like, the backup. It's kind of weird. And it's not due to injury, like, and you're yeah. paying him hundred and like thirty million dollars. It's just like weird because then he wins, yeah. and it's like, all right, well, you're gonna keep playing him. And what if he wins out? And what if they make the playoffs? Then what? Like, no one wants to say it, but I'll say it. The best situation for Carson Wentz would be for Hurts to get hurt, and then he gets back yeah. in, and then like that's a reason to play again. And then you start playing well, and then they stick with Carson again. You don't want to wish injury, but that's the best thing that could happen for. Yeah, but the best situation, the best scenario for the team may be just having a back the backup quarterback play because that has been the best strategy for Philadelphia yes. in the last couple of years. Just like, oh, go to the backup because uh, won a Super Bowl doing it that way. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, Carson Wentz was so good a couple of years ago. It's weird to see this going on. And obviously, you're paying somebody a lot of money to sit on the bench, but at least you're not paying both quarterbacks an extraordinary amount of money. I mean, a team couldn't afford that. They're just paying both guys, and we'll see what they. 
what they do. It's going to be you know, interesting. Do they do they try to trade him? I mean, they'll probably have to take a chunk of his salary if they if they yeah, can trade him. Due to salary cap restrictions, the way they did his contract, there's this way to cheat the salary cap by changing someone's contract into a bunch of bonuses. And that works for players you know aren't going to be traded or cut. But when you do it to a player that now you need to get rid of, it becomes a big problem. Yeah. And normally you thought, hey, you put in your franchise quarterback. But what would be mm-hmm. like the example of, I mean, a, someone that you thought was like your star quarterback having to be benched for a newcomer? Would that be like benching a senior guy from your four by four at conferences for the new freshman who had been on the four by four all mm-hmm. career long? And then senior year, you're like, sorry, we just got to take you off. You, 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 you. We we know you can give us a, a 44, but you've been giving us 46s every mm. time. We need to go with the kid who can who runs at least 45. Like, what are your thoughts on? Yeah, obviously you it's a little coach? different. When it's a little different when you're talking about actual financial concerns. Maybe the best thing for NCAA level would be saying that's be like the person you have on full scholarship, a senior. <clears throat> on full scholarship, uh, losing their spot to a walk-on freshman. It, it, it hurts a little bit. And then as the, t- the team, you're like, man, we've, we're, we're wasting a scholarship on this guy that we're not even using right now. And then now it's like, well, we, do we need to give a scholarship to this walk-on? It's like, well, we don't need to. I mean, he's on the team. Um, and he's, he's contributing regardless of you know lack of scholarship. So I think, yeah, that's probably the closest thing. Obviously, you don't have the ramifications for the team uh, as far as financial spending like you do with professional sports. But yeah, that's, it's pretty close to it. Uh, it's a, it's a both a, it's an exciting thing and a, and a scary thing as well. Right. You're like, you're excited to have this cheap asset that, that could play well, but then you're like, well, we got this other person that was supposed to deliver and they're not, and they're sitting on a fat contract or scholarship. One thing uh, from talking to many coaches for the past few years while working at Flowcheck. One thing I learned about a trend that sometimes happens in the NCAA is you know how we always have a one or two, maybe five or 10 really good East African athletes come over here and then run well. You know, like someone like Wesley Kiptu, right? Or Edwin Kurgat, Bowie Lalang, all these people. And you always you hear about the ones that succeed, right? And you hear about them, and you see them, and they're like winning, and it's like, it's it's a good success. But there are a lot of East Africans who do get a scholarship to run, and then don't become like that, that workhorse, that that great athlete, or sometimes maybe become worse and not be as good as they thought they were. And I've heard stories of coaches thinking they're getting someone who's good and then they turn out that they're not good and they have a full mm-hmm. ride scholarship and you can't just cut them uh and you it can becomes reduce, like a whole thing like contract you can reduce scholarships though you can reduce but like it becomes like a depreciating asset it's like why am i wasting all this scholarship money on this guy who's a 15 minute 5k runner like i thought i was getting a 1350 guy then we had a 15 minute guy you know i know yeah. i know a school that has happened where they thought they were getting like a really good Kenyan recruit. And then the Kenyan was just no better than the rest of the team. Right. I mean, that's some of the perils of, you know, recruiting from a long distance away. And I think it's a, 
it's obviously a stereotype in the distance running world that you get an East African athlete. And obviously there are large amounts of East African talent and they, they make up the majority of distance running talent in the world. But it is a stereotype for sure, especially in the NCAA that, oh, we have a Kenyan on our team. We're going to, he's going to be awesome or she's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. And it doesn't always work out like, like like that. I mean, in my experience, I've seen, yeah, Kenyan athletes um, come over and kind of look like they're jogging in the back. And it's just, sometimes it's just, it just happens. But I always remember, you know, in my days running also, people would say, oh, they're, they, they're going to be better this year. They got a Kenyan. Well, it's like, do we know anything about this person? Like, do we know that it doesn't automatically just because they're from Kenya mean that they're going to show up and, and dominate. There's been a lot of those cases before, but I, I still think that, you know, the, the athlete coming over and being a superstar right away is more of the, more of an exception. There's many more Kenyans, East African athletes that come over and are just mediocre or worse. So, uh, yeah. still a stereotype that's, that, that exists though. <clears throat> right. I mean, I mean it's a good stereotype before. though. Right. Yeah. I no, wouldn't mind it. Yeah. I just thought yeah, I was going to get a running. <laughs> it's it is a positive stereotype. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But it, it is, uh, even for the initiated, right. We assume like, some people will assume, like, oh, they have all these Kenyan athletes. They're going to be awesome. Just It doesn't always yeah. work out like that. Well, that's why, I mean, there are certain coaches who actually know the world. So, like, just, like there's, like, the like Middle Tennessee State, UTEP, where they kind of have a beat on an Alabama. They have a beat on, like, who are the, actually the good sure. high school kids in Kenya. And then you also have the JUCO system where they let them go to the JUCO and then the, the best kind of rise to the top. And then you have someone like Wesley Kipp who's like, "Hey guys, I'm a 1340 guy. Okay, we will we'll, we'll mm. let you run at D1 level." I do yeah. know. Guess guess who? There is going to be. I was talking to a coach. There is a new Kenyan. Who will race this indoor and outdoor season? Who apparently is going to be. One is going to be extremely good. And by extremely good, better than potentially better than past middle distance runners we've had in the past six years in the NCAA. So this person an so eight hundred or fifteen hundred person or, or what what is it? I don't know if I want to give it away. I mean, I'll let you think about it. Where where are they most like what event do you think they're most likely to run? I'll tell you, it's an 800-meter runner. There's potentially going to be a very good 800-meter Kenyan runner in the 2021 indoor-outdoor season. Okay. Is it like someone that's done stuff on the the international stage already? Or am I supposed to know who it is? I I wasn't given the name. I was just told, hey, we have someone who's really good. I was like, better than before? He says, yes. He says, potentially. Like equal or better, and I'm like equal or so better. I was like, whoa! I don't so know if I UTEP. want to reveal. Going to Utah, right? I'm I'm not reporting. I'm not reporting. This is yeah. what I'm hearing, but that's what I'm hearing. So we'll see. Hmm. Maybe maybe they were lying to me, but hey, okay. There'll be one team to, to keep an eye on and see when they debut their new freshman, and if it, that new freshman is legit, that's gonna be it'll be fun. So. Okay. So many, so many questions. You, you built that up. Like you were going to keep it a secret 
And then you just kind of told me, I mean, you haven't given me all the details yet, but if you're saying better than before, well, where do we think, where do we, when we associate 800 meter running in Kenya and the NCAA, you think of UTEP, obviously they have, uh, they have the goat 800 meter Kenyan NCAA athlete as their coach. So I, I, I assume it's going to be UTEP. And if it's better than Michael Saruni and Emmanuel career, it's going to be awfully good. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Apparently, they're they they'll they'll join the team in twenty twenty one. Exciting. So, okay, yeah, keep an eye. Um, we don't have a ton to talk about today. We did get a random and exciting bit of results over the weekend, though. I guess it was Friday evening. Sixteen year old Jenna Hutchins from Tennessee, a junior in high school, ran fifteen thirty four. For 5,000 meters to break the American U-20 record previously held by Caitlin Tui. Now, Caitlin Tui ran it on an indoor track. This is outdoor track. So you can think, well, you know, it's probably you can just account for the difference given that it was run outdoors. But still, 1534 for a 16-year-old. This comes a couple weeks after she ran sub-16 in a cross-country race. It's very clear that this is the the next the future of high school distance running for the next year and year or so. And Man, is this is uh, to to watch out for? What was your reaction to this performance? I mean, I was shocked. I mean, to the the quick ascent of Jenna Hutchinson this past month. I saw a tweet that Flowchart tweeted out, like how you know she runs his outdoor five k. She ran the fifteen fifty eight uh, cross country race. I mean, she's just been on fire. Um, it's a bummer that she didn't have like a, a foot locker or NXN to kind of really like show off her talent. I mean, she still, still has two more years. Um, I guess only one more year of cross. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was surprised. I didn't think it'd be that fast, that quick. Um, you think you get Caitlin Tui's once every 10 years, but it looks like we're getting one every three years. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's exciting. Uh, every time you think like, Oh, we've seen it all. Just another one comes in and shows up and it's like, hey, anything you can do, I can do better. Um, the the 5K just in general. I mean, uh, when a high school kid is now running, a uh, 16-year-old can run 1530s. And now the uh, an American record of runner is running 1420s. You know, it's really shifting women's 5K distance running to just a new realm, right? Where we mm-hmm. used to thought you we used to think elite was getting close to 15 flat now that it's, it's just been changed. Like elite is getting close to 1430 and now elite in high school isn't getting close to 16 flat. It's getting close to 1530. Like it's just been, everything's been shifted 30 seconds to faster, which is kind of great. So you called her Jenna Hutchinson. You're, you'll have to correct that. It's Jenna Hutchins. Sorry. You got it. You got to get My right bad. if we're going to know it. No, it's fine. So I'll give you more details. This was running Columbia, South Carolina at the Five and Dimes Athletics Meeting. Who could forget, of course, the Five and Dimes Athletics <laughs> Meeting. Uh, the, the race video is up on Flowtrack. You can watch it. It was paced uh, by the professional runner. I mean, it looked like this is legit. You can tell she's a high school runner. You know, she's just smaller than the professional athletes. And um, this is incredible. And, it you know, we start to get to the point where 
it, she's so young and so good already, um, which Tui was as well. But you wonder, is this somebody who's going to go pro instead of go to college? If you're out here running 5Ks in, in December and running 15.34, you know, we've seen some middle distance athletes on the women's side go pro. You think Ajay Wilson, you think of, you know, um, well, I'm now, there's there's been other athletes who have gone to gone to college for a year and then stepped off and gone pro. Um, it's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but um, I I was surprised, I suppose, when Tui didn't go pro. And um, if Hutchins continues to improve here, I I don't know her family situation or 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 what, but you know the value is awfully high when you're running this fast at such a young age. Um, and clearly, whatever program she's doing is working. You wonder if a professional signing is coming before she would go to college what, what would you think about that well i think she needs to run at least 15 seconds faster and the reason why i say 15 seconds faster is because the olympic trials qualifying time is 15 20 uh yeah. if she can qualify for the trials then you're then you're then there's something there's something there right now and i yeah. feel like that would be like whoa high school junior at the olympic trials you know, then you're Which thinking like the Sydney Blocklands and yeah. two hunters and all that, and the Noah Lyles. Now the difference between though Noah Lyles and Cindy McLaughlin, fifteen. Even if she did run fifteen twenty, fifteen twenty is not making an Olympic team the same way as Sydney's running fifty two seconds in a four hundred hurdles can make an Olympic team. So we yeah. we are impressed about it but there's st she's still a long way to competing with the Schweizers and sure. Hulahans of course of this world and it may be more wise to try to let it play out a little longer to see like it can she vastly uh, yeah. improve can you know can she get that speed and maybe she needs to do a year in college to really see what she can do cuz in a weird way she's super under raced and like at like a at a high level pressure moment right now i mean she yes she's run at nxn or she at footlocker she's run a footlocker i guess she's a footlocker yeah, she's she got fifth she got fifth at footlocker last year yeah but like she hasn't like gone into a championship style race with expectations on her i feel i feel like you know like caitlin tilly had to go through the 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 years of pressure of like, I need to be the best, right? She has yet to have that honor. Now she's going to have that honor where she will enter into a race where it's like, it's a disappointment if I don't win. No one was disappointed when she got fifth. She's like, yeah, you got fifth. That's great. But now there's the expectation. It's a different type a of mindset. Point. And I think she needs to go through that. She needs to go through whether that's in high school or in college of like the expectation of being a star freshman. How do you handle that? Oh, wow. You overachieve in that. Then I think, contracts will be like hey we want someone who's proven they can handle the pressure and this in this case would be the pressure of a young star with a contract yeah so you're kind of saying right now she's well the period may have ended but previously these last few races she's been operating in kind of the sweet spot where yes she's known obviously she's getting entry in this somewhat premier 5000 but there's no pressure to <clears throat> break a record whereas yeah it got to the point where you know Let's look back at NXN 2019. Yes, Caitlin Tui won, but she almost lost. And that was kind of the story, right? It was kind of like, wow, Caitlin Tui almost lost instead of 
she won her however many national title. And then like <clears throat> going to indoors, for better or worse, when she like didn't break a 3,000 meter record, it was like, wow, she missed this record. You know, you, you get that and you had that with Mary yeah. Kane as well, where the expectations are unfair. And uh, she, you're right, will unfortunately have to go through that period. Now it's like, she if she goes to indoors, it's there's going to be records no every worries. time. That, that, yeah. That, yeah, that's going to be the, the theme. So she will have to go through that and seemingly hasn't. I mean, I'm sure every race she's feeling pressure to perform her entire you know, high school career, but it, it's obviously a different element now. And you, you, her name will start to eventually be on the level of a Caitlin Tui if she keeps this up. And and yeah. that's when we'll really get to see. It, it is, feels so unfair to put that much pressure on a 16-year-old, but it is reasonable to think, given her time, 1534 in December, I mean, by April, are we? would we be surprised if she can run under 1520? I wouldn't. And then if she's at the trials, um, you know, you get that attention yeah, she's not a Sydney McLaughlin level. No one is, um, or a Noah Lyles. Those those two are both, you know, among the best in the world in world history in their events, and they're both so young already. <clears throat> so they are in a different level. But I do, <clears throat> I do think the offers will will be there if she makes the trials and is a junior in high school. Uh, it'll be a story on the level of Jordan Hesse back in two thousand eight and. So it'll be something to to watch out for if she keeps going because as of right now, I mean it's it's not like can she get as good as Caitlin Tui? She's already better than Caitlin Tui, uh, and I know she has to go through the ringer like you mentioned. But uh, this is someone now that I fully expect to qualify for the trials. It, it's December; <clears throat> she's running this fast. <laughs> Wait until the outdoor season. I think she's going to be a lot quicker. Put her in a if, if if these meets happen. Put her in a Stanford, or uh, or a Peyton Jordan even, <clears throat> and you're gonna. I, I I think you could see something really special. Over under. We'll set the over under at two and a half. No, over yeah over under two and a half. Over under two and a half number of North Carolina based colleges coaches who will reach out to her. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are for juniors. It's like a little fuzzy, right? You can't there's there's definitely rules that there aren't when you're a senior. But yeah, I mean I you know, she's from Tennessee. It would and then with everyone kind of gravitating towards North Carolina, it would make sense if she would ultimately go say be coached by Milt in a, in a year or two or um, NC State. Well, I was going to say Milt. I mean, when you look at Bryn Brown, Sydney Mascarelli, uh, they have other athletes there. Oh yeah, I mean NC State if she wants to join Caitlin Tui and Kelsey Camille, I mean, that's a lot of phenoms on one team, right? I mean, I both would be a lot of phenoms. I guess it would be which your decision would be which which phenom group do you want to join, right? Uh it's interesting based on her where she's from and what how the NCAA women's landscape has been moving these last few months. It's it's very clearly like I don't even know what her college choices are but it's probably down to north carolina and nc state already you know this isn't a situation this isn't 10 years ago when we're like is she going to go to oregon no oregon's not even in the picture it's it's probably north carolina or nc state we can pretty close to safely assume maybe in arkansas would factor in uh you know just because the history and their their recent success on the women's side but my goodness it's north carolina is just taking over 
Yeah. It'll be interesting. You know what I want to see? I want to see a Pac-12 versus ACC All-Star dual meet on the women's side, like cool. in a few years when they're both at the, like they're in their prime, to show if yeah. see if there truly has been a landscape shift. Of it used to be Pac-12 is where all the all the top men and women go: Colorado, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, all them. And then now it might be like, hey, ACC is where everyone is going to end up going. We have yet to see it on the men's side. I know you still you do have Notre Dame and Syracuse, but they don't really have – Notre Dame is kind of more of a recency. Syracuse kind of had their peak a few years ago. Um, yeah. It will be interesting to see, though, if all the men also start going to the Vinland Annas, to UNCs, to Syracuse, and yeah. to Notre Dame uh, and try to see if ACC can become the new Pac-12. I think it's moving that direction, right? I mean, look at the, you know, ACC, the SC, or excuse me, the Pac-12 used to be Vin Lanana, used to be Chris Miltonberg, and now those guys yeah. are the ACC. That, that's kind of the uh, the symbolism that you need to see that the, the things have, things have certainly changed. And yeah, I, I think the sport's moving east. Uh, the proof's in the pudding, and or the proof's in the, you know, who's going where, and, you know, there's going to be a new group in North Carolina with Puma. And so it's a lot. A lot is a lot is changing. Um, Be- before we know it, we're going to see uh, Coach Wetmore want to finish his retirement in Florida, and he's going to start coaching Miami. He's going to go move to Miami <laughs> and then build up the I Miami Florida cross country program. Imagine does if Miami he did that. How often does Miami have uh, maybe, maybe what, Wetmore would take over the revitalized Clemson program? Who knows? Okay, there you go. I'd love that. Yeah, with Ryan Fenton as his assistant. There we go. Well, that'll be great. Yeah. Imagine a Wetmore Fenton coaching duo. Every kid's gonna want to go to that. Yeah, because it's it's like the yin and the yang. You know, you have like the like the calm like mediator in Wetmore, and then you have like the wild man in, in Fenton. That'd be fun. We didn't discuss this before the show, but did you want to talk about? And I'll put put you on the spot. The NCAA kind of sent out some. Uh, I don't know, parameters for the indoor and outdoor meets as far as how they're going to conduct them logistically due to the the ongoing pandemic, for example. Doesn't seem like media is going to uh, going to be able to be on the ground at indoors. It's going to be like a, a Zoom situation. Do you have anything to add, add there well, as far as what they've laid out? On paper, it makes sense to do Zoom because that's how all the other sports do it. But in reality, track and field and cross country is like the one sport where doing a virtual press conference just won't work because it's not like no like people. There's let's say indoor. How many people in on a regular indoor meet? Like you could probably be interested in like three people or maybe even four for every race, and the races happen back to back to back. The idea that you'll be able to get all the people that people are used to hearing from in a, in a standalone virtual press conference, it just won't happen. Like people need to understand how track and field press conferences work. No one cares about the press conference. They just, they just want to go get one-off interviews for two to three minutes here, there and everywhere, especially cross country. They're going to try to do that cross country. Like no one is ever going to be able to interview like the ninth place finisher for cross country or like the coach whose team got fourth that everyone's like, Whoa, I want to hear from this coach. Like, are we going to say that the only people who get interviewed for cross country is going to be the individual winner and then the team coach and that's it? Because yeah, that's what five. will happen. 
top four teams and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, like, there won't what be about like the fr- like everyone's Go gonna want to know like if Caitlin Tui runs and she gets like sixteenth, that's good enough to be interviewed. You're gonna be like, hey, freshman, how was that crazy first race? Oh, it's great. You know, like. There's just so many different storylines that are going to go untold if they say, hey, you need to be in line at a virtual Zoom meeting. Like, it's just not going to, you're not going to get yeah. good coverage. You know, I, uh, I missed the boat. I, I, I was just talking about indoor and I guess outdoor, but outdoor will be hopefully be different with, you know, ideally the present of, presence of a vaccine if that happens. But I, but I, totally neglected that it was also included cross country as you just alluded to. So I thought that that would be spared simply on the fact that it's outdoors, but it does not. So man, that's a, and it's a rule that's not really saving anyone's life. I went to Oklahoma state two months ago and interviewed everyone and it's been, and it was fine. Like you're, you're not dead. No one's dead. It's just like, it's all about, I mean, NCAA, it's it's more of a theater thing than because well, it's a like liability. it's a liability. It's an optics thing, and it's a safety thing too. Aside from SIDs, you were the only media person there on the ground at Oklahoma State, at least I imagine. Whereas that would How obviously be different here. Is it different? There's like four media people that go to yeah. these meets. Like it's not. Life. But photographers aren't media. That's de- photographers don't care about the interviewing athletes. The, there's only no, like right. four people that want to interview athletes, and I think you could easily say, "Hey, all right, you're the four people. Get tested. You're in." Like that should be what it is. They shouldn't set up a like. They someone needs to tell reach out to NCA and be like, "Hey, this isn't going to work the way you think it is. This isn't March Madness where everyone is." used to like press conferences no one shows up to your yeah. press conferences you should just have it because they're, they're they're just gonna do like a virtual like pre pre-press conference which is whatever fine do that because they can do that but like people can ncaa has yet to realize the way people consume track content is not the way they think they do it you know so yeah they may they may have an understanding and just be trying to follow other other sports, right? I mean, so yeah. I, I understand it. Something certainly will be lost on our end when you talk about, you know, you're not going to put somebody in a Zoom meeting or in, in a Zoom press conference who just crossed the finish line and still is in there, just in their singlet and and their you know in their uniform. Whereas that's a lot of the content we we would have been able to get in the years past, which is much more yeah. raw and unfiltered now it's going to be like well everyone's going to have done their cool down and this that and the other and you're not going to have that so some of that is lost i mean you can blame the pandemic for that that's not the NCAA's fault right but um i was surprised i kind of thought cross country would be spared by this simply because it is outdoors but you know again it's a it's a liability thing but yeah it's gonna the coverage will look a ton different you know media companies won't have their own separate things right it's just going to be a press conference so you'll have men's winner women's winner uh it's it's going to be a you know pared down there's not gonna be fans at at i i i'm again i'm somebody who's safety first above everything with this pandemic but i i i'm very surprised no fans are going to be allowed to cross country i mean that i i don't i think every other every other meet that's taken place across the ncaa i know there's been a it's been a small amount but has had fans allowed like out outdoors? Are you not going to have parents there? 
Like it just seems it seems a little a little severe even for my end, which is saying something because I've been like advocating, you know, let's be let's have safety first, but not even allowing fans seems a little severe. You can make everybody wear masks. At that point, what what is the what is the true risk when you're talking about being outdoors? It's very small. Don't, like, I mean, there, there's no there's no event that would look is I I would feel is more impact. You could say football is impacted, whatever. But like cross country without fan, like in nationals without fans, that that's weird. That's weird to think of. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. You're just putting a another asterisk on it. It's just, you're taking away the moment for the kids too, right? It's like, it's not going to feel, I mean, there's so much raw emotional energy in that, like in that corral of the, all the guys, men and women coming through, they're walking through, then there's the people waving their flags and just, it's, just so, it's loud. There's just so mm-hmm. much kinetic energy at a cross country meet and it'll just oh. feel super static and just be like, it's not going to feel the same. You know, well, that's what every every team's alternate is going to take on a, a pretty big role along with the coaches because that's your yeah. you, you get one fan per team <laughs> per, per well per gender because your eighth runner who's not who's that's, not competing that's your one fan. The flag goes, so, it's gonna be like uh, the man in the it's gonna be like the guy in the Revolutionary War who has to do the drum and the guy who has to hold the flag. <laughs> You know, there, you there, there's a reason for them there. Yeah, they don't have a gun to, to kill anyone, but they have to play the drum and hold the flag. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. We're, I uh, mean, I hope they what they do is they should definitely realize only four media people come to their events. Just give them a rapid test and everything's fine. Like, um, yeah, that's what they should do. Yeah. But they won't. I'm trying to think of any other topics that we can that we can cover today you got anything well some indoor meets are starting to go down we're now at a grand total of one two three four five six seven eight nine nine on the december 5th weekend and then three this past weekend so we've right. had a total of 12 good to, indoor. go ahead 12 indoor meets i mean Let's see how many people have run. What's like the most commonly run race at an indoor meet? The 60? Say it's 60. I was going to say the the 200, but. Well, maybe leader, 64. Let's see how many people have run a, a 400. Let's do 400. How many people have run a 400? So there have been 64 women have run a 400 indoors. 64 women and 113 men. Why, run a 400 why am I? Oh, this is. Are you across all divisions? All, I'm, across I'm I was all divisions. I was going to say, I was like, what are you seeing? Yeah, yeah no, you got a lot of D2 and NAIA. You know what the slowest time in the men's 400 is right now in the, in the nation? Is it like a minute? I don't know. What is minute, it? One minute, 16.55. <laughs> Tactical, tactical Tactical. race. He's from Briar Cliff, NAIA school. Mm. This is what's come to. This this is what's come down to. The pandemic is is having us talk about one thirteen four hundred meter men. (laughs) (laughs) Because typically by now, 
typically by now we would have had the BU season opener, right? We would have had those fast 5Ks. You probably would have had a couple people running like top 10 all-time 300s, you know, or a fast 500 or 1K here and there. But we're mm-hmm. just getting a bunch of these low-tier schools doing some tri-meets. Um, mm-hmm. And we're just waiting for right. something. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think a lot of the – like, I think Indiana used to do a meet this time. BU obviously did used to do one. Texas A&M used to do one. I think they all just realized that they're just canceling the meet or not oh, yeah. timing it. It's having maybe like a fake indoor meet. Because uh, I know, like Clemson had like an intra squad meet apparently last weekend, but no one no, knew about it. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. They tweeted about like how <laughs> Clemson wasn't allowed to promote that they did an intra squad meet, which we thought was interesting. But it's not on Tifer, so I think there was no timer. I think it was just like a a practice wow. meet that they're doing. I don't know. Well, that's a I bit. That's a bit sad. Yeah. Um, national leader right now in the five thousand. Marshall Batty, Batty, 14.35 from Army West Point. Is he related Just, to Miles Batty? Not Batty, it's Beatty, I think, but I, I maybe the pronunciation is similar. I'm not sure. What do you think the most impressive mark on the men's side is that's that's out there right now? Is it the 779, okay, so- the, the uh, Trevor Bassett from D2 Ashland, 779, 60 hurdles? That might be the most impressive mark we have so far. Because other than that, it's a 413 mile, 229K, 152, 800, 482, 400, 2134. I think it's the 779 by Trevor Bassett. D2 is holding the fort right now. Uh, I mean, a good Kansas State high jumper, Shankart, as it jumps 2.24 meters, which isn't. Oh, that- that is good, good right. but he's also good. Uh, he's like a and he's he's run he's jumped two point two nine meters. But sorry, just trying. To, yeah, I would say maybe yeah, I'll give it to the the D two kid, sixty hurdle. It's a top. Are we top mark right now? You you sent us a text. Um, the, by us, I mean Kevin and Kevin and I a text over the weekend where that said the more I look at it, paraphrasing, but the more I look at it, I don't think doing cross country and uh, indoors nationals makes sense or something to that effect. Can you, can you uh, expand on that thought? What do you mean? Uh, I don't you know what I just realized? You, 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 <laughs> I just realized you didn't mean that for, I just realized you didn't mean that for the athletes. You meant that for us. Us. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I meant scratch it. that. What's the point of going to cross country and indoors <laughs> if you can't be inside? You have to be on a Zoom call, you know. So, I was hoping I, I was hoping you meant the athletes because that was going to be a nice segment. But you just meant us. Uh, well, <laughs> um, listen. I think you got to just call it when it's done. And I think today's episode's through. I mean, I think that that's it for us. We're just trying to stretch this noodle out even further, and I don't think well, it's got any more. Yeah. So this weekend, I guess, is the marathon project, right? So we'll probably start previewing that as we get on later in the week. And then it's maybe we start thinking about doing our end of year, end of year awards, end of year countdown, maybe our top five moments, Mm -hmm. top five athletes, 
top five everything, you know, top five heartbreakers, top five, top five, top five. Top top five, five. I love the top yeah. five, top fives. Hopefully my yeah. top five makes my top five. That's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, we'll probably know. start doing, once the marathon project ends this weekend, the following two weekends through the holidays, we'll start giving out some awards, best high school, college. How about this? Email us what no. you want us to give awards for. So like top five what? You know, we, you have like top five male athlete, female athlete, team, coach, all that stuff. Top five moments, top five kicks. What would be a good top five that we don't think about that you want us to give out? And maybe we'll do it. So email the pod, podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, so start getting those in. We have a week to get in your top five requests. We're like TRL now. Mm-hmm. Get your top five requests. I'm Carson Daly. He's Lincoln Strike. <laughs> And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See ya.